Hey everyone, it's Dave Hagen. Eliminating debt is probably the hardest thing to do, yet it can also be the most emotionally satisfying. Let's talk about eliminating debt today in a big way. That's today on the Financial Wellness Podcast. Welcome to the Financial Wellness Podcast, Dave's weekly message to keep you on your path to the financial success. Here is your host, financial problem solver and talk show host, Dave Hagan. Hey, thanks, Nick. A few podcasts ago, I laid out my five-step program to financial freedom. For those of you who didn't hear, the steps are one, get rid of the cards, two, know your flow, three, eliminate debt immediately, Four, create an emergency fund. And five, put 15% into retirement. Today, I want to focus just on step number three, eliminate that debt. By far, the most difficult of all the five steps is step number three, eliminating debt. It may not be the longest step because putting money into retirement needs to be done over several years. However, it does take time this third step. In fact, it could take two or three years depending upon how much debt you have. This step also has the biggest chance of someone losing interest and getting away from the program and ultimately their financial goals. To get through this step, someone needs to just develop a determined personality and commit. There's just no way around it. Remember that if you really get after it, it's a temporary situation. You're going to have to change your life for a short period of time so that the rest of your life you can live how you want. Now, what is eliminating debt? First, let's talk about what it's not. It's not about making the minimum monthly payments. It's not about stretching payments out over time. It's not about necessarily managing what you can pay. What it is about is making huge, massive, hairy payments to reduce debt in the shortest period of time. It's about making a Herculean effort to end a temporary and perhaps uncomfortable time in your life. It's about being dedicated to paying the debt down to zero, not lower, but zero. It's about being creative and resourceful to make extra payments to reduce the debt. It's about taking bonuses and money from any assets that you don't need to pay down the debt. It's about possibly working a side job for a limited period of time to raise money to pay down the debt. It's about doing something on a temporary basis so that you can pay down more debt. It's got to be a mindset. It's got to be a lifestyle. It's got to be an obsession. You have to get rid of the debt and the interest that's accruing on it as quickly as possible. Every day that you delay is another that goes by without you taking a positive step on your financial goals. Now, how do you get this done? Well, the first step is to prepare a list of all of the debt that you have. You can start with the largest, smallest, highest interest rate, most problematic. I don't care. It really doesn't matter. What matters is that you put together a list of everyone that you owe, including their name, the interest rate, and the amount. Now, there's a couple different ways to go after this list. The first is to pay the highest interest rate debts to zero first and then work your way down to the lower interest debts. This is sometimes referred to as debt avalanche. 
Obviously, this is the quickest and shortest plan because you pay the least amount of interest over the debt repayment period. The potential downside to this payment plan is that it may be that the first one that you start with is one of your larger debts and it'll take you a long time to pay it off. You won't get the emotional satisfaction of putting a line through a debt on your list and once again you run the risk of losing interest. The second method to pay off debt is called the debt snowball. You list all of your debts from smallest to largest. You then make the minimum monthly payment on all of the debt. The extra money that you've put together is then applied towards the smallest debt until it's retired. When it's paid, you cross it off your list and maybe even close the account. You then apply the money that we're using to pay off the smallest debt towards the next debt on the list. When you pay that debt off, you cross it off your list and close the account. You now apply this amount of money, plus the minimum that you were paying on the recently retired card, and use it to pay the next largest credit card. As you can gather, the amount that's available to pay down the debt will grow as you retire debt off your list. This is the reason it's called the debt snowball approach. I like this approach because it gives you immediate emotional satisfaction from paying down debt and scratching them off your list. However, you will probably pay a little more interest using this approach as opposed to the avalanche method that I've already talked about. There's advantages and disadvantages to each approach. I think it's a good idea to create your own custom approach. I would take a look at the debts, pay off a few small ones, and then maybe go after one of the debts that has a higher interest rate. This gives you some emotional satisfaction for getting some of the debt off your list, but right after that, you go after one of the high interest debts as well. You can really pick any plan that you want using any of these methods or any combination of these methods. If you want to pay off the blue cards first and then the red cards and save the black card for last, that's cool if that's what motivates you. But you need to put together a list and then write a short one or two paragraph description of what you intend to do. To stay on plan, focus on the emotional satisfaction of paying off one or two of the accounts and having scratched them off your list. Or focus on what it would be like to have all these debts gone and to have that money available to do something you want it to do that's positive in your financial life. I was talking to my wife the other day and we were discussing a time in the past when we finished paying off a car loan. She said that paying off the car loan and having that money available for other things was like getting a big raise at work. Hmm, let's do the math for a minute. Let's say the car payment was $300. That's $500 before taxes. $500 a month before taxes is $6,000 a year. That's a pretty nice little raise to get with very little effort. Now, you've got to drive an older car around town and take care of it so it doesn't eat you up in repairs, but so what? You got a big raise. You didn't do anything to get that big raise other than just agreeing to drive a slightly older car around. And when you think about it this way, it's kind of cool. The most important thing that you can do is get started today. Can you get done with your list by the end of today? If you can get this listed on today, then you can put together your plan tomorrow morning and get going. Remember, every day that goes by without reducing this debt is another day that you'll not be able to move ahead and start pursuing the financial goals that you want. All right, let's sum up. Eliminating debt is probably the toughest step. It's hard to get emotional satisfaction from paying debt. To get through this step, you need to be determined and motivated. Put together a list of all your debts, including the name, interest rate, and amount. 
choose the method and plan that you will use to attack this debt, whether it be debt waterfall, debt snowball, or some other custom plan that you've put together. In our next podcast, I want to talk about some ways to increase income and decrease expenses. This is the first place that you look to create money each month to fund your debt elimination plan. Then in the podcast after that, I want to talk about other strategies to reduce your debt, like debt consolidation, negotiation, or selling assets. Tune in next week. This is Dave Hagan, and you're listening to the Financial Wellness Podcast. You've been listening to the Financial Wellness Podcast, Dave's weekly message to keep you on the road to financial success. If you'd like Dave to answer any of your questions, email them to dave at davidrhagan.com. If you like the podcast, you can subscribe to the podcast by hitting the subscribe button in your app. You will automatically get a reminder each time Dave uploads a new episode. Or you can use the app to share this episode with your friends and family. Let's listen in now as Dave answers some emails. All right, we're back and uh, Nick's got some, some emails for us today. Nick, what do you got for me? So, Dave, I have one from Bill. It says, Dave, I'm single. Sorry to hear that. I just graduated from law school and have $120,000 in student loans. I would like to work for a nonprofit. However, it doesn't pay enough to pay off the student loans. Any advice to a fellow lawyer? What do you think, Dave? Hmm. Wow. Here's what I think, Bill. You need a big job to cover that student loan debt. Um, Your options became limited when you decided to get this education on uh, student loans. Nonprofits typically don't pay nearly as much as um, other uh, for-profit jobs. You may have to go to Wall Street or a big firm and and look for that big uh, uh, annual income because you're not going to be able to pay that money down. You're not going to be able to pay that debt down on on um, an income from from a nonprofit. Um, So your decision's already been made. Whether you realize it or not, that decision's been made. Now, there's one little uh, proviso to this, and and that is there are some programs now with the the government where if you work for a nonprofit, you can also get credit on your loan. They'll reduce the amount of your loan. So what you need to do is you need to talk with the nonprofit and and see if um, working for them will um, allow for some uh, discount on your loan because then you'll be able to add together your salary and the debt relief on the loan, and that will become the true salary or the true benefit that you're getting for working for that uh, nonprofit. Now, this isn't going to work if you got a private student loan. If you got a private student loan from, you know, one of the banks or uh, one of these commercial outfits, um, they don't do this. But the Department of Education, if the payment's going through the Department of Education, they may work with you on this program. So check it out. But otherwise, you're going to have to get yourself a grinder job at a big firm to make enough money to pay that debt because if you don't get on it right away, that interest is going to eat you up. Typically, it's 7 8 9%, and that's going to kill you quick, and, and you won't be able to overcome it ever. So um, check that out. See what the nonprofit can do, and, and good luck with that. Welcome to, welcome to the group. Welcome to the group. All right. Back, Nick, what do you got for me? All right, well, going back to Bill, mm-hmm. you know, I just want to know if he has an opportunity lined up already. You know, I, I mean, as someone who is uh, attempting to pursue law school, I've heard that it's difficult just to find a job. And so I, what I would want to know from Bill is, does he have a job already lined up to go um, pursue this nonprofit? Or would he have to take another job as uh, an attorney for 
you know, a, a private firm. Because if, with this amount of loan and the interest on top of it, I, I would think that you would have to take anything that comes your way. What do, what do you think about that, Dave? Well, I think it limits your, your options quite a bit, quite a bit. You know, when um, people are going into law school, the admissions department say, well, you know, you're going to make this amount of money, six figures, mid six figures, whatever it's going to be. And, and the truth of the matter is some of the students in the top 10 will make that money, but the vast majority of the students just aren't. And they get drawn in with the loans and they get drawn in and pursuing the education and and when they get out, they realize that a lot of the legal jobs, especially the starting legal jobs, just don't pay that much. And so here's someone who's got a legal degree, uh, you know, living in an apartment, eating rice and beans so that they can pay their, pay their student or, loans. Or ramen. Or yeah, ramen. Or ramen. <laughs> yeah. And uh, that's pretty tough because the first uh, bunch of years uh, in the legal profession are pretty tough. You put in long hours. You're learning a lot of stuff. You're learning how the industry is put together and how things get done. Right. And... Um, on the weekends or at night, you should be able to come home and rest and relax. And maybe that's not the case. Maybe even um, some of these people are, are, are driving um, you know, Uber at night or something. They've got a, a side hustle right? Uh, because they need that money to, to pay down the loans. The interest is going to accelerate that amount of debt so quickly. It's, it's breathtaking. It's really breathtaking. So Bill's going to have to get his arms around this really quick before it gets away from him. Yeah, and I think uh, even... Uh, thinking about just pursuing the nonprofit, I would just think about the stability of a job. And then if a nonprofit uh, opportunity comes in the near future, then uh, cross that bridge when it comes. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, that's true too. Nonprofits, great place to work. Usually a lot less uh, stress, a little lower key. Pursuing something that's for the public good. I think that's really great, but may not have that ability if you've got that much debt. All right, let's go to another uh, question. What do you got? Let's do it. Actually, this one is from Mark, and it says, Dude, I hear you talking on the podcast. He really said dude. He said dude. I I, I guess he's like a a, a friend from back in the day or something. I don't know. Okay. So he says, uh, Mark says, Dude, I I hear you talking on your podcast about increasing income or decreasing expenses as a way to create a gap to pay debt or save. What's your favorite way to save money? Hmm. All right. Well, I tell you what. Um, some of these ways to create money are, are, or to create a gap are not a lot of fun. It's, uh, you know, do without Starbucks. Don't spend it. Yeah, don't spend <laughs> it. I mean, that's kind of rough. You know, I, I like my Starbucks. I like, uh, I just drink a coffee in the morning, but I like that. And I get that free ref- refill and I like that. As I'm drinking my Starbucks as we're doing this the, podcast. There, there you go. So, you know, to do without that, ah, that's tough. What I like, my favorite is make cooking a hobby. Mm. Make cooking a hobby. Because I think that there are a lot of benefits to that. One, you're going to eat better. Because when you cook at home, you usually cook without less fat. And if there's less fat in your diet, it's better for your body, better for your brain, better for you to get around town. So you're going to actually eat better. You're also going to eat cheaper because it's cheaper to go to the store and buy stuff and cook it up. So you're getting the benefit of better food, cheaper food, um, and you're saving money at the same time. It's become your hobby. So I really like that. I know that uh, in years past, I've gotten hooked on some of these um, cooking shows on the, the Food Channel. And uh, we, you know, we learned how to cut vegetables in certain ways and how to blanch certain things so that they tasted better, um, how to cook uh, certain meats. I, I remember one Thanksgiving, we even had a, we had a whole big old turkey in a, 
in an ice box with, with brine and we were brining our turkey. And this wasn't done back in the day. And so, you know, the kids and I were putting this big old bird in this ice chest. It was a lot of fun and, and it was so much better tasting. Yeah. Really surprising. So um, we learned how to do that. I tell you what, I watched a show one time, a whole show on how to cook an egg easy over. And I can now cook the best easy over eggs you will not believe. Now, how does that differentiate from an over easy egg? I, I think it's the same thing. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's the same thing. But there there really is a, you know, a, a style and a process to cooking an egg like that. And um, I, I had my uh, some family over one night and uh, I said, well, you know, let me cook you some eggs. And they said, well, these are these are really good eggs. Yeah. And so I, you know, I learned that by, by looking at a, uh, something on the, on the food channel. So I think that, um, it's, it's interesting. It's entertaining. It's educational. It's uh, cheaper. It's better. Um, I really like that. And then when you get that down, then you ask your friends over and you cook for them. So now you're going to become really popular too, because your friends are going to come over and, and eat the stuff that you're putting together. And it put, makes for a nice night. Uh, you don't have to worry about uh, what you're drinking because you're at home and you become very popular. I think the proof positive of this was a show that uh, um, a fellow named Jamie Oliver did um, several years ago. And it would show him going to the market and getting the food and how he would cook it. And his friends would come over and he'd have this wonderful little dinner party. He's a very popular guy. In fact, he still is a very popular guy. He's done a lot of uh, stuff lately with um, you know healthy foods and nutrition and that kind of stuff. Yeah, I was going to say, one of my favorite things in college to do to save money was to have a potluck. And so mm-hmm. a, a group of five of us, they would come over every Sunday night and everyone would bring over like mac and cheese, you know, bring over like your turkey example, bring over chicken. And it was a great way to save money and still have that camaraderie and that friendship as well. Well, and, it, and it's hugely entertaining. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's hugely time. entertaining. It's a good thing to do. So... Um, uh, that's something that I would recommend. I like that. I like I like eating better. I like eating cleaner. I like eating um, cheaper. And to do it with a group of people and and to have them, uh, uh, you know, help cut and and boil and do all the different things you're going to do, and then lay that amazing food out and enjoy it. That's a good time. So that's my favorite way to save money. I think that's, you know, I think that's the best. Creating a hobby and saving money. It's it's excellent. There you go. One more. We got time for one more. Yeah. Let's see. All right, let's take one from so many, Dave. Let's do one from Carol. She she did not start off with dude. She said, hey, Dave, I'm putting together my spending plan as you suggest. How much do you think the average person spends for food each month? And what do you think I should try and spend each month? Thanks for any advice you could provide. Hmm. Well, Carol, um, what you what you spend each month on food depends upon a lot a lot on your needs and your and your focus and even you know your your health. I mean, some people have special needs, special diets, that kind of thing. Um, some people, wow, I've seen people spend a bunch. I've seen people telling me that they need a thousand dollars a month to to eat on. Um, I think that's a lot. I've seen some people eat on a lot less. My son, goodness gracious, he's nineteen twenty. He can get by on. Um, not much. So I think that a lot of it depends on the person. You know, what you don't want to do is eat out a lot because you waste money. Um, years ago when um, I started working for a law firm, we'd all go out to lunch and they'd always grab a burger or they'd always grab something to eat. And I'd take a salad 
And I, it's something I made up in the morning. And I thought, well, I'm, you know, I must look kind of chintzy bringing my own salad. But I was eating a little better and I was eating a lot cheaper. So it was a way to, you know, save some money. And then I could, um, uh, you know, splurge a little bit on some other things like going out on the weekends or this and that. Yeah. Well, in addition to that, actually, a big craze or a new fad that's going on is meal prepping. And so basically like on a Sunday night or something, people would make food for the entire week. So you can definitely cut back on some costs by doing that as well. Yeah, my daughter does that. Um, Sunday night, she's getting together all of her lunches and yeah. all of her dinners. And um, she puts herself on a pretty tight spending plan. It's pretty impressive. And going back to Bill, you know, that that's a way to be cheaper as well and eat, and to eat healthier. Yeah, no, it is. It is. So Carol's now listening to this and she's going, great, I appreciate all that, but you haven't told me how much. Well... My rule of thumb is about 400 bucks at home and away from home. That's a little on the thin side. but Conservative. Uh, yeah, but I think someone uh, that's thinking and is thoughtful about it could get away with that. If you spend a little more, well, then you're going you're gonna to take some uh, money away from uh, somewhere else, maybe a little bit less entertainment. But eh, I think starting with a thought of about $400 a person is a good place to start. Um, I hope that helps, Carol. All right, that's all we've got time for today. Um, Tune in next week. This is Dave Hagen, and you're listening to the Financial Wellness Podcast. You've been listening to the Financial Wellness Podcast, Dave's weekly message to keep you on the road to financial success. If you'd like Dave to answer any of your questions, email them to dave at davidrhagen.com. Until next week, this is your announcer, Nick Appel, wishing you every financial success.